So welcome back. This evening I'd like to continue our exploration of these ten parami, these ten qualities of heart and mind that powerfully support our meditation practice and also powerfully support our capacity to live skillfully in our everyday lives in the world with more ease and more happiness. So we've been working our way through the series, and last week I talked about the fifth of the ten, which is energy, or virya, to use the traditional Pali word. And I want to just come back to that quality energy first before we move on to the next one, which is patience, because there is quite an important relationship between energy and patience. So last week I mentioned that virya is often translated as energy, as effort, as persistence, as perseverance, as vigor, exertion, diligence, and so on. And I mentioned how the Pali word also has connotations of the warrior archetype. So some teachers refer to virya as heroic effort. And I just briefly acknowledged last week that right there can be a challenge because for many of us with our conditioning, when we hear words like effort and heroic effort and vigor and exertion and so on, it can trigger our default patterns, especially when we hear that energy is a quality to be, quote, perfected as a parami. And I mentioned last week how on a societal level, we're often conditioned to relate to our own energy in pretty unhealthy ways. So the pressures of everyday life and of our work lives push us often into overriding the truth that we have flesh and blood bodies. We are organic human beings. We're actually animals, mammals. And this pushing ourselves to constantly do, 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 is really unhealthy. And sometimes people push themselves to the point of collapse or beyond before they realize, hmm, this isn't actually helpful, healthy. So given that that kind of attitude is so pervasive in mainstream society, it's not surprising that many of us bring the same attitude to our Dharma practice. And especially in meditation, we can swing between over-efforting, idealism, pushing, striving, burning out, collapsing into apathy, recovering, over-exerting again. And we swing between these extremes. And it's slightly reassuring that even the Buddha himself, before he was a Buddha, also fell into these kind of patterns. So if you know the story of his life before he became a Buddha... Apparently, he gave up a life of total hedonism to become a spiritual seeker. And he went from the extreme of total self-indulgence to intense self-punishment. So a lot of the practices of his day were about hardcore asceticism. And he practiced them so intensely that he actually almost died. He almost died before he realized that this extreme effort wasn't appropriate, wasn't useful, wasn't actually getting him anywhere. And so he learned the hard way 
that he needed to temper his energy and his effort to bring balance to it. And after that recognition, only then it said he attained nibbana, which is complete freedom of heart and mind. So it's significant that not long after that full awakening, he gave a teaching on what's known as the middle way. And this middle way is finding balance between extremes of any kind. And so we see this balance in the way the ten parami are laid out. So parami number five is energy, heroic effort, but it's followed immediately by parami number six, which is patience, kanti, the Pali word. So what is meant by patience in this context? And what makes it a parami, a quality that we can perfect? So this word kanti is usually translated into English as just patience. And in English, that can be defined as the capacity to accept or to tolerate delay, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. (laughs) That might sound kind of mundane, ordinary, or maybe for some of you is actually bringing up impatience when you hear about it. And I've seen this in my own practice, that there's a kind of inner push or drive that just wants to get on with it. And it can't be bothered with those quiet or more subtle or refined states, even though those are actually crucial to the path to freedom. So once again, we see how each of these parami tend to challenge some of our deepest conditioning and bring us face to face with mainstream values that often are pushing us in the opposite direction. And this might be particularly true in relation to patients. It's hard to say definitively, but of the ten qualities, I think patience is currently one that is really not appreciated in mainstream society. Would you agree? Like, it sounds old-fashioned or even irrelevant, right? Patience. Yeah, like a weakness. That's so 50 years ago or so 100 years ago. Come on, these are you know, modern times. And I think part of this, you know, I've said a few times, the influence of capitalism, the influence of consumerism, we're pushed more and more into expecting instant gratification of our every need, ASAP. And this is particularly true in the US, but it's happening here too, most Western societies. So there's a stand-up comedy routine by Ronnie Chang, who's a, I think he's Malaysian-Australian living in the US. And to me, it really captures this drive in our society. And so this routine, it's called Amazon Prime is too slow. So I don't know if you know, in the US, Amazon Prime, the online shopping service, if you pay for Prime, you get boosted delivery. So at least two days or one day, sometimes depending where you live, same day delivery, that is Amazon Prime. Now, I don't think we have Amazon Prime in Aotearoa yet, but almost in the US, almost everyone I know does their online shopping 
from Amazon and pays extra for Prime. So I just wanted to share a piece of Ronnie Chang's routine with you because I think it's relevant not only for the parami of patience, but it connects also to renunciation, which we were exploring a few weeks ago. Renunciation or relinquishment. And back then I connected the lack of renunciation and our craving for comfort as being one of the main drivers of the climate crisis, one of the main drivers of what we're doing to this planet. So in skewering Amazon Prime, Ronnie Chang is also skewering our impatience and our desire to avoid making effort, which has pretty serious consequences for us, for the well-being of the planet. So he says, in America, never leave your house. Land of the free and land of never leaving your house. No item too trivial. No quantity too small to be hand-delivered into your home like an emperor. Anything. Anything in the world that comes to mind. I want one pen. I want one. I don't want a box. I want just one pen. I want it in a box with some plastic. Throw some napkins in there, in another box, in a bigger box. 50 million boxes flying across America at all times. The airspace above America is just Amazon Prime. Packaging, just knocking into each other like satellite debris. More, more Prime. Can't get enough Prime here. You need it, Prime. We need Prime harder, faster, stronger, faster Prime. Prime now. Prime now. Two-hour delivery. Prime now. Give it to me. When I press buy, put the item in my hand. Now. In America, there should be no lag. Zero lag between when I press the button and when the item is gently placed in my hand so I can use it now. Same-day delivery. Huh. Un-American. Same day, no way, now, prime now, break into my house and put the food I ordered in my mouth and help me chew it and then push it down my esophagus with a stick and then pull the feces out of my anus for me, now. It's like, where do we go from here as a civilization? How much more convenience can we get? How much less energy can we use to get what we want? Let's get Prime before. Send it to me before I want it. I have to make a decision before you mail me what I want to buy. Use artificial intelligence to substitute my intelligence so I can live my life. Send me everything I want before I want it in as many boxes as possible. So it's kind of funny, but it's also scary, it's tragic. And we might think, well, that's the US, but it's happening here, it's more extreme there. It's just, to me, highlights how much our society now does not value patience. In fact, undermines it, even has contempt for it. Like someone said, it's a sign of weakness. 
And yet the Buddha is reported to have said that kanti, patience, is the foremost of all of these ten parami, which is a pretty strong statement. So in valuing patience so highly, the Buddha is pointing to the truth that in life and in our Dharma practice, it's inevitable that we'll encounter things that we don't like. There are all kinds of challenges that unless we have some capacity for patience, are going to derail our progress on the path. So this is how the U.S. Dharma teacher Philip Moffat defines patience as a parami. He says it's the ability to abide with things the way they are. It allows you to tolerate failure, disappointment, defeat, unpleasantness, and confusion without giving up, both on the meditation cushion and in life. So you might get a sense from that quote that patience connects to several of the other parami, obviously energy or effort, which I mentioned, but also resolve or determination, which is coming soon, and equanimity or non-reactivity. So all of these parami work together to strengthen our capacity to meet challenges without falling into reactivity. So patience helps us to accept that our Dharma practice too unfolds at its own pace, unfolds due to causes and conditions, and it probably is not going to develop in a nice straight line always going up at a steady rate, at the speed that we'd like. I think for many people at the beginning of their practice, there's a tendency to assume that if, say, 10 hours of meditation gives us a little bit more ease and calm, then 100 hours is going to give us 10 times as much ease and calm. Does, how has that worked out for anybody? <laughs> It's not that nice conveyor belt escalator steady upwards progress, right? In actual practice, the path of progress is a lot more squiggly. At times, even, it can feel like a roller coaster. And at other times, it can feel like we're just stuck in the doldrums, going nowhere, sometimes even feeling like we're going backwards. So this is exactly where energy and patience work together. We want the parami of energy to help us make effort. But if we're getting too focused on results, we need patience to help us stay steady and to not get discouraged if the results don't come immediately. In a similar way, there are times, I think, for all of us when our practice falls into a low energy state, maybe getting a bit complacent. And again, in my own practice, I've seen times where, oh, I'm just practicing patience. But really, I'm just rationalizing a lack of effort. And so at that time, we might need to bring in more energy. So coming back to Philip Moffat, he says, persistence gives patience a purpose. If there isn't a goal with a set of values with which you're applying yourself to, What can seem like patience is really just dilly-dallying. You're not really about anything. You're doing a little of this, a little of that, and you can think, I'm a patient person. I'm easygoing. I'm doing fine in this area of patience. But if there's no commitment to something, 
if there's no alignment of persistence, then is that really being patient? Or are you just tuned out? So again, all of these parami are kind of lenses that we can use to look at our practice and see if for where it's off balance in some way. And with patience, it might seem like an ordinary everyday quality, but as we start to polish it and develop it as a parami, we see just how important it is for all the other qualities too. Now, as we were exploring just before, patience is not a quality that's highly valued these days. And so, again, in that um, routine from Ronnie Chang, just the pushing to have more and more instant gratification and less and less effort to get what we want, that actually strengthens the opposite of patience, namely impatience, our tolerance for delays of any kind, our tolerance for other people, our tolerance for anything that gets in my way, that stops me from fulfilling my desires, gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So it's not surprising that when we first start to explore this parami of patience, what we often see most clearly, again, in my own experience, is all the ways that we're not patient. All the times we get caught up in impatience. And this is partly because impatience is unpleasant. And again, because of the mind's negativity bias, we tend to see what's uncomfortable, unpleasant, distressing, more easily than the opposite. And patience by its nature is a pretty quiet, what, I don't even know what the word is, like almost invisible quality. It doesn't call attention, right? It's just very low key. And so it's easy to overlook it. So at first we recognize impatience But if we can bring patience to the impatience, we start to realize that every moment of impatience is a powerful opportunity to step back and to strengthen patience. And every day, every single day, every one of us has dozens, maybe even hundreds of opportunities to strengthen patience. Every red light you stop at... (laughs) Right there, can that be a kind of a mindfulness bell? Just stop and notice. Is a <clears throat> gritted teeth, clenched jaw, holding onto the steering wheel. Oh, this one's going to take forever. Person in front of you doesn't immediately start when it turns green. <laughs> Instead of that, can you notice that forward momentum, that tightening, contracting, leaning? Take a breath, sit back, relax, remember parami of patience. Look out of the window, look at the sky. What an opportunity to just take a moment to break that forward momentum of stress, distress, impatience. So every time we're stopped at a red light, every time we're in a long queue in a store or the bank, Every time we're put on hold in a call center, that is a real workout for me. (laughs) There are all these relatively simple places where we can bring in patience. And this is strengthened by our daily sitting practice. 
So in the guided meditation before, I specifically named, notice what it's like towards the end of the meditation when there may be some impatience starting to build. Can you stay with that for just five seconds, 10 seconds, 30 seconds? Every time you do that, you're strengthening the quality of patience, polishing the parami of patience. So I want to, there's a lot more I could say, and I may come back to it next time, but I wanted to just stay with patients in daily life and share an op- uh, experience that actually was an opportunity, an opportunity and experience from my own life, where a few years ago now I was starting to prepare talks on the parami, and then I went back to visit my parents for Christmas. I was living in the U.S. at the time, <coughs> And I went to visit them just before Christmas. And something happened in the universe where the planets aligned and I just had an entire 36 hours of challenging times. Event after event after event that really was pushing me to the edge of losing it. And so I thought I'd just share that experience. And as you hear the different stories, you might notice your own inner response. What happens when you hear these different events? So as I said, I was visiting my parents just before Christmas and my father's health was declining uh, physically and mentally. And he was sliding into dementia. My mother at the time was his full-time caregiver. And on previous visits, they'd mostly been doing okay. But on this particular visit... Almost as soon as I arrived, everything started to fall apart. So I hadn't even been there 24 hours. When at 5 o'clock in the morning, my father got up to go to the bathroom and he fell over and couldn't get up. So my mother knocked on the door and asked me to help her get him back on his feet. But because of his incapacity, even with two of us trying to help him, we could not get him off the floor. So... Okay, I had to call the ambulance and it was going to be a while. So I was lying on the floor doing the crossword with him, just trying to keep him entertained. And then finally the ambulance arrived. Two very kind paramedics managed to get my father back onto his feet. And I remember thinking, oh, that was a challenge, but okay, that's good. We're back on track with the day now. And so our day had got off to a weird start, and my mother went off to make breakfast. And as she was preparing breakfast, she dropped the whole four-liter jug of milk on the floor. The milk spilt everywhere. She called out, can you help me clean up the milk? I was like, okay, sure. (laughs) Next test, go clean up the milk off the floor. And then my mother went to the set off to go and buy some more milk so that we could have breakfast. She got in the car, and then I heard her calling out from the garage. And I went to see what was happening, and she said, there's something wrong with the roller door. It's not opening. It's like, okay, next test. What was that thing about patience again? I don't know too much about roller doors. But anyway, I managed to actually, amazingly get the roller door back on its track. Managed to get it open. My mother left to get the milk. 
I was thinking, okay, now we've got the day back on track for sure. It's all going to be fine from here. But then my father called me over. He said, can you help me buy a gift for your mother while she's away? Because he couldn't do it himself. So he wanted me to get some money from his wallet and sneak off into town and buy her a gift. But he opened his wallet and there was no cash in there. And the night before, there'd been about $100. And the only person other than me and my mother who'd been in the house was his young caregiver. And this had happened a few times. And when we thought back, we realized this is a strange coincidence. So, okay. (laughs) Next test, ring the supervisor, set up an appointment to have a meeting really unpleasant situation, noticing the anticipation, right on Christmas, resistance, not liking. Patience, patience, just now, it's okay. Sort that out when we get to sort that out. Okay, so then my father decides, well, let's just go for a walk. Let's try and get the day back on track. So he gets out as walker and discovers the brake cable isn't working properly. (laughs) And so he's like oh, can you fix the brake cable on my walker? And I'm like, what am I, the town mechanic? (laughs) I don't know about walker. Anyway, I went to the garage and I got some pliers and I managed to tighten the bolt and the nut and get the cable working, the brake working, and let go of that voice that's going, this shouldn't be happening. What is going on here? This is insane. What is wrong with... Patience, patience, patience. Okay sorted so we decided to go for a little walk around the garden and my father had installed this amazing irrigation system of all these black pipes and nozzles and tubes and he had been an engineer before he retired so this was a really complex structure kind of jury rigged with all these weird bits and pieces and we realized it wasn't quite working properly the water wasn't coming out so he asked me to check it. He turned on the tap really hard, and one of the <laughs> nozzles blew off, and suddenly water is just flooding into the garage. <laughs> and the whole garage is starting to flood. And I'm just like, really? <laughs> it's only like 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I turned off the water and swept out the water what I could from this slab and I got pretty wet and messy and went back to my room to change my clothes by this time my mother had come back from the shop and had breakfast and she decided she would decorate a Christmas tree which she did every year and then put it in the bay window so she got the tree all set up and I just had finished getting changed and she said oh I've finished come and look at the tree And so I went into the living room to look at the tree. And as I opened the door, this bird flew in the open door, (laughs) zoomed around the house, panicked, landed on the Christmas tree, knocked it over, (laughs) pooed everywhere, and then flew (laughs) out the door as I'm standing there looking at this. (laughs) And so I didn't even get to see the tree before it was just like shattered glass ornaments and tinsel and bird poo and everything all through the bay window and I just looked at it and was like, okay patience 
And I honestly was looking at the ceiling to see if there was a hidden camera. <laughs> like, is this some kind of Buddhist TV reality show <laughs> called, like, Test Your Parami or something? <laughs> I was starting to get a little bit paranoid. But I got the tree cleaned up. And then I was reflecting later, I realized that I had all this resistance. I didn't want to be with what was happening. My parents were falling apart. Their lives were falling apart. Christmas was falling apart. I was falling apart. <laughs> it was just like all of it coming together at once. And there was part of me that was the yep, patience, but underneath was like... <laughs> so patience was there, but it actually needed more equanimity to really support it. Nevertheless, it got me through a pretty challenging 24 hours. And I was really grateful that I happened to be writing this series on the parami because <laughs> goodness knows what it would have been like if I hadn't had that little voice going, patience, <laughs> patience. So I'm guessing all of you have probably similar experiences in your own life and maybe you might like to share some of your own experiences. How does the parami of patience get developed. So thank you for your patient attention. I'll leave it there for now. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.